0: Right, Harry. Did you see that ludicrous display last night? The chaffer is it. He's Can he tee up someone in red. and he goes to one. It's what trap? What's about that? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the All Nations Football Podcast with myself, Joseph, and my very good friend, Owen. Hello, everyone. So we're going to start this week's podcast by uh, having a little review of what's been going on in the Premier League this week. But yeah, so this week we found it a little bit impossible to to delve into every single fixture. It, it, would, it would obviously take far too long. Although Liverpool have sown the title and Manchester City are cemented for second place, there is a fiery race going on for the race for the European spots. It's been an interesting week of results, but there's been some fantastic results, of course, for Manchester United and a resurgence for Arsenal. What have you made of these week's fixtures, Owen?
1: Yeah, it's been an entertaining week. Man City were pretty poor against Southampton, um, and that, that's an interesting one to see how Man City cope with mixing the team up a bit and rotation. I think the big ones are the big stories at Mourinho, Manchester United and Arsenal. We were very keen to criticise Arsenal um, after lockdown and I think we were completely correct in criticising them. Also, in the same respect, we've got to now talk about how they've improved a lot. Even David Luiz is looking decent at centre-half. So, yeah, so I think... The Arsenal story is an interesting one and they could end up still getting a European spot after what's been a pretty up-and-down season. And when it comes to Manchester United, if they can sort that defence out, I'm not just saying this, but they look like they could really be a challenge for any team in the league.
0: But um, the credit is with credit is due. Uh, I've been really, really impressed, particularly by Manchester United um, and Arsenal as well, but for different reasons, really. Um, I'll start with Manchester United. Um, they're playing with an, a real sort of attacking verve at the moment and confidence, um, which has been inspired by the kids. Obviously, Grace, uh, Mason Greenwood, I should say. He's hot on the lips of everybody at the moment, and, and, and rightly so. He's got a couple of cracking goals on the weekend. And they do seem like a, new, a different prospect at the moment, United. They've caught form at the exact right time. Um, I do think maybe that you know the return of Pogba um definitely helped him in, in that respect. And obviously Fernandez has continued to be sensational. You can you can really see how that's beginning to develop. Obviously, Mason Greenwood's he's the name on everybody's lips at the moment. Big calls for him to be getting into the England team now, based on his last couple of performances. You know, I, I don't want to be too quick to praise young players, and you you know, I do think he deserves all the credit he's been given for his the last couple of weeks of performances and his performances over the season in general for United. And it will be interesting to see how he kicks on. Um, Obviously, you know, we've seen this with Anthony Marshall as well. You know, he came on, burst onto the scenes and hasn't always done it consistently. But even he's began to turn up now as well. And it's all started to click for United. And um, yeah, it pains me to say it. They're looking really good at the moment. And with five games left to go, I think having looked at their fixtures as well, Leicester being one of them, I quite fancy Man United to finish in the top four now. I, I think they can do it. I think they've got the momentum at the right time. Um, and I, I reckon they'll oust Leicester out of one of those positions. Um, because obviously Leicester are occupying third at the moment with Chelsea in fourth. And United in fifth. Only three points separating Leicester and Man United. And as things stand, I definitely fancy United in the head-to-head uh, with Leicester. Arsenal is the other team that we mentioned. They're showing a a bit of grit and desire. And they are playing good football, but it's it's more they're just getting on with the results and and getting sort of um, those real professional wins, as they call them, and just going out and getting the job done, which is not always something you associate with Arsenal. We're all used to associating them with open, free-flowing pass attacking football. I'm sure Arteta is going to try and implement something like that over time. But he's playing in an interesting shape. It's interesting times for us. And I don't think it was as bleak as it was looking a couple of weeks ago anyway, when
1: David Luisa uh, had that howler down with um, Manchester City. When you talked about that, I did mention about them having quite a young team. And since then, a few of their youngsters have come on and we've seen something from them, especially Saka um but also Kieran Tierney who since joining from Celtic has suffered quite a bit from injuries at Arsenal and he he looks like he's finally been given a chance to play and he's going up and down that left wing all game. He looks like he could be someone who they can work their team not work the team around but he could be a key member there starting 11. It's always good when you've got youngsters coming through who who can improve your side and I think for example David Luiz is still there and he's going to be there next season and I'm wondering whether his experience might actually be vital for some of the younger players, especially someone like Tuney at the back. Maybe in the end that David Luiz signing for an extra year might seem like a great decision. Yeah, I plus. think that the main challenge for these these youngsters for next season is matching the sort of relentless
0: consistency that Liverpool and Manchester City have set and, and the sort of bar that they've set. and. I think going back to a point I made a couple of weeks ago on the pod is that is undeniable quality in the Man United team, um, as well as Arsenal as well. And I'm a big fan of Saka and Nketiah in particular. The level of consistency that's going to be required from, from those group of boys you know, is phenomenal. And I think it's, it's a lot of pressure for them to be dealing with as well. Um, They're certainly going for the top four next season. I don't think it will be as much of a challenge for United and Arsenal. Like I said, I think Man United will end up finishing in the top four. I don't think our Arsenal quite will, but next season they'll definitely be a lot more in contention for one of those top four positions. But it is how they kick on next season and where they add to those, and what will be interesting is if Man United do get back into the Champions League,
1: who can, who then can they go and sign? I think Manchester United are a lot more. In contention for being part of a title race next season, at Arsenal. I think Arsenal are maybe where Man United were two years ago. So, so they're starting to get a squad together. Um, there was actually seven English players within that, within that Arsenal squad um, at the weekend, which obviously shows you that there's talent. they were all talent that, have, that either youngsters or have come through the ranks at the club. So that's, that's an interesting start, especially for a club to rely on great four and exp, in, imports. So that's interesting in itself. But yeah, going to Manchester United, we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it more nearer the time. There is a chance that Man United could be part of a title race next season if they continue to um, improve. And this is a big one if they sign correctly in the summer. Because against Bournemouth at the weekend, although they scored five, on another day, they could have won that game 7-0 with a good defence, but for people who haven't seen it, the second goal for... Well, both goals for Bournemouth were really good defensively The first goal, um, David De Gea is beating at his near post when he doesn't need to be beaten at his near post. It's two goals already since we um, were assumed from lockdown where David De Gea has not covered, covered himself in glory. The other goal for Bournemouth came from a penalty, but the penalty was given when... The ball came back to bailey in the box. He had no one around him at all, like no one within 10, 15 yards of him. And he puts his hand out, it hits his hand and the referee gives a penalty. And I mean, that's that's terrible to be giving away a penalty like that. On, on the point of Tejia, does yeah.
0: Henderson get a start next season? Does he come back in at United?
1: I think for Man United to put um, Henderson in as a number one would be a big, big call and it would be a brave call. but. I think it would be the correct call. I don't, I don't understand how, when Man United have a keeper as good as Henderson within their ranks, how they can justify replacing David De Gea with anyone else. And I think David De Gea is still worth a bit of money and I think it would be the right time to try and offload him. But because of his wages and because of what they demand in a fee for him, I'm not sure whether any club would actually go in coming for him. Yeah, I don't think they were the same enthusiasm as
0: maybe a couple of seasons ago. Before we move on from Man, uh, man United and maybe discuss a couple of the other teams uh, potentially in the race, um, wh- one thing that I, you know, has been made of, you know, um, quite apparent by a lot of Man United fans at, at the moment is obviously they are on this brilliant one of they haven't lost in 15 games. Um, as a man who supported a team who waited 30 years for a league, um, I, I'm very used to uh, you know, in the past you know, supporting a team which can go on these sort of runs and get in 15, 20 games unbeaten or wherever you um, and, and I, I will say that it is I find it very difficult to see or accept a lot of the, the Manchester United comments on the social media and, and, and the excitement and I, and I can understand why but I think my warning to, to any Man United fan would be don't, don't get ahead of yourselves
1: just yet. Uh, there's just one thing I know we want to move on, but just one thing I wanted to say on that point, um, which I think is quite important to remember, is that often when Liverpool went on these group runs, part of the issue, what happened at Liverpool, for example, when their best players would often leave. So when they, had, when they did look really good, their best players would leave and it was very difficult for them to build a side. Until Jurgen Klopp's come in in the last kind of 10-15 years, every time Liverpool's had a good side, they've lost key players like Suarez, like Torres, like Alonso. If Man United say lose Paul Pogba, then I think that's a big hit. The difference I would say between Man United going on this group round and getting excited, and when Liverpool have gone on group rounds, is Liverpool could never build on it, unfortunately for them. And I think Jurgen Klopp has finally done that with Liverpool. And I think if Man United are to build on these 15 games unbeaten, which could maybe 10 into 20 games unbeaten, they're going to have to build on it. They're going to have to recruit well in the summer. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just want to That's, say that. Well, re-
0: no, yeah, that really good points. And actually, it, that kind of applies to a team I want to talk a little bit about next um, while on the topic of the race for the Champions League, which is Leicester. Brendan Rodgers has come out and said now they're solely focused on trying to nail that fourth spot. We know how big it would be for Leicester if they could nail that down. But I think, you know, for the exact reason you're saying there in terms of a team being tarnished by transfers, um, I fear the worst for Leicester in that respect. They've had a really good season, but you just get the feeling that next season they could just be completely dismantled in the transfer market.
1: You're right. And, for example, Ben Cheerwell could be away to Chelsea. Um, You wonder how good um, Vardy can be next season. So, yeah, so there's three or four players that could leave Leicester in the summer. And I mean, that's been their issue ever since they won their title. They've been losing their best players, and they just can't keep hold of their best players. They've actually got quite a big um, budget at the club, but I guess just when teams like Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, anyone like that, or teams from the top leagues from abroad come calling, it's just going to be impossible to keep them, isn't it? A Chelsea nailed
0: on. We haven't we haven't mentioned them as well. Leicester are above that in the table, but you just get kind a of feeling with Chelsea. They've got a bit more experience in the squads, and they've got you know they got title winners in that squad still. So you know they've got that sort of the mentality, and maybe the, the the boys will get them over the line.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one.
0: I know we weren't mentioning results or whatever this week. Yeah, Ain't too many. But the um, uh, yeah, well done, West Ham. have had a couple of really good results. Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, when you when you look at Chelsea, I think that's one thing is they've been a bit inconsistent. I, I think to be honest with you, I I think they will probably get top four. They do still have Liverpool to play though, um, but other than Liverpool to play, they've got Sheffield. Yeah, they've got Sheffield United and Liverpool to play. But other than that, they, I mean, you would have said they would have beaten West Ham, but other than that, you'd kind of think they sh- they should be they should pick up maybe four wins. Their remaining matches, which would probably be enough for top four, but as we've seen already, this league is unpredictable. We've seen Southampton beat Man City and we've seen um West Ham beat Chelsea, so uh, you don't know. But if I was to put a bet on it, I would say Chelsea top four.
0: So, your top four is Liverpool, Man City, Man United, and Chelsea, yeah. Um, I'm not sure which way around, but yes. I, I would have to agree
1: with that as well at, at the moment. And it'll be interesting to see how that finishes up. So the one thing I would say on that, though, there is a team in there that could, especially when they've still got um, Chelsea to play, they could, they could sneak top four and could go a bit unnoticed, and that's Wolves. They're, they're sitting um, three points behind Man United in sixth. And they've um, they've got a pretty not a easy easy run in, but they've got an easiest run in, um, and they finished the season um, against Chelsea. So that um, that match could be whoever wins that match could end up getting top four. So that's definitely one to look out for.
0: Yeah, I and mean, they're one of those teams. I mean, you don't really, I can't really put my finger on what they need to do just to break in now. I think they're only a couple of players away. Wolves and you know, being a real consistent challenge on the the top six. So, we're going to have a look now at the bottom of the table and take a look at the relegation fight. Paul Norwich cemented down there on 21 points, looking like their fate is pretty much sealed by a miracle. Um, They're also accompanied by Bournemouth and Aston Villa at the moment, who are both on 27 points. And Watford, just outside of the relegation zone, on 28. So, only a point separating those sides. West Ham then coming at sixteen. Um, with 31 points, so uh, they're currently f- uh, five points clear of the relegation zone. I caught the West Ham and Chelsea game as we just mentioned, um, a second ago. West Ham fought to the bitter end, and it's probably the most valuable three points of their season. Did you catch any of the games, Owen?
1: Yes, I did. Um, I watched a um Chelsea West Ham game like like yourself, and West Ham did, they kept fighting, they at times. This season, they've looked like a team with no confidence, and to be honest with you, not a lot of fight, but they had plenty of fight in them against Chelsea. And that they performed a team like a team who could fight against relegation, they were really impressive, especially Mikhail Antonia.
0: Yeah, he was somebody really we mentioned out. a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I, I think, yeah, was, we, we, um, sort of the exact opposite reason you said there, we were saying that they lacked guts, they lacked fight, um, but. Antonio's always the man. He runs, doesn't he? Further than any other man in our shirt, and he always seems to work. I don't think he's a natural striker, but he, he just always seems to do a job for the team. And um, especially when you're in the trenches and you're fighting relegation, they're the type of players that you need in your side, aren't they? And if I'm being honest, I think I, I think I had West Ham down as, as as being the team to go down a couple of weeks ago. But um, I think I'm going to have to eat my words. <laughs> they going not do a U-turn. I, I think they I think they might just do it. You know.
1: But to be honest with you, a lot of West Ham fans were very down on their chances and I think most West Ham fans thought they would probably lose by a couple to Chelsea when they beat them. And they bounced back after having a goal disallowed, which was fairly disallowed, but it was a harsh goal. But, listen, three
0: points is all that matters until those West Ham fans a win over Chelsea is as good as it gets, isn't it, pretty much? Yeah, exactly. So They'll I'm be sure the stadium delighted. would have been bouncing. Oh, yeah. So. They, they, yeah, definitely. Um... And you have a look at the other teams then. So, um, obviously, Aston Villa lost to Liverpool. Um, It was a game, um, obviously, that I watched. I was discussing, we were in chat um, during the game as well. Um, But I feel sorry for Aston Villa. They've been valiant this season. They've put up a lot more of a fight than they did the last time they were in the Premier League. I mean, they were shite the last time they were in the Premier League. Let's be honest. For a team of Villa's stature um and and their resources and everything they just did not do it at all um against liverpool they set so well um they set pretty much as as other teams have going to anfield this season but they played on the counter-attack they they were brave and um at at one point i think i remember saying to you didn't i I actually quite fancy villa to pop an upset here. maybe just get something off a corner it was a windy day but it didn't transpire that it, it you know it worked out that way but um Credit with credit you, I, I thought they fought. and um, I, I, Maybe that fighting spirit will keep them up, I don't know. They're on the same points as Bournemouth, but you get two
1: very different impressions from the teams when you are watching at the moment, don't you? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I wanted to kind of talk about in relation to Villa. One, they don't have a goal scorer, and I think that's a major issue. I think if they had a boy out front who even scored them 10-12 goals a season, I, they maybe wouldn't have beaten Liverpool, but I think they would have got a goal at the weekend. I think in Jack Grealish and John McGinn, they've got very two very good midfielders, who are probably streets ahead of everyone else within that side. And I think that's the issue really. They've got some very they've got some good talent, but overall, is a pretty average um, squad on the kind of Jack Grealish and um, Aston Villa kind of subject. What did you make of Graham Souness go slating Jack Grealish, saying the reason why he gets fouled so much is because he holds to the ball for too long? I'm obviously a, a, a big game.
0: fan of, of Graham Souness um, because he's a Liverpool legend, but I I messaged you at the time and said I I think he's he's talking a load of shite. Um, I I really like Jack Grealish. and whilst I can sort of, you can kind of make sense of his comments. Um, they also don't make sense. It's really odd. Jack Breen has won 153 kicks in the Premier League this season, or he had prior to the Liverpool game, which is a crazy amount considering, you know, he's, he's only played 30 games. You know, he's, he's getting fouled a lot every single game. But um, I, the, the boys' quality, and, and I think um, a point Emil Heskey made on the punditry, which was fair, was... I, if he had more things going on around him, Jack Reedish, maybe he wouldn't have to hold on to the ball so long and maybe he wouldn't have to go and dribble and you know try those mazy runs that he does. But then, it's part of his game as well and he's good enough to do it. The interesting thing with Jack Reedish will be, because I, I, I think, as I've said on uh, the pods previously, I, I think he has got the raw potential to play in a top six side. Whether he has the attitudes to do it is, is another thing. But I think if, if Villa do go down... One of the most interesting things to come out of that will be is um, how loyal is he to the club? Because he, it, it will definitely test his resolve. And I've I'm, I'm no doubt if Villa go down, there's going to be Jack Reedish who's not going to be shoot, um, short of suitors in the Premier
1: League. I think it would be absolutely criminal if John McGinn and Jack grealish are playing championship football next season. There are two players who are far, far too good for that level. Um, on the Jack Grealish point, I don't think it matters how loyal he is. I think he's got to go in the summer. I think even if Villa stay up, I think he's got to go in the summer because he he's not going to improve as a player until he gets to play, play with better players week in, week out. And I'm sure he's going to be gutted to um, to leave. Um, but I think he's got to, to further his career. One thing I would say about Jack Grealish, when I watch him play for Villa, uh, it often reminds me of when I watched Bale in his prime play in struggling Wales sides. Um, so when before Wales, like before like 2014, when Wales were a struggling side, um, Bale used to do what Grealish does a lot of. He used to run with the ball a lot and just try and take a shot on or take on three men and try and do something because he felt he was only player on the pitch. He could do something like that. And I get that with Jack Grealish a lot. He maybe does hold on to the ball a bit long bit. Like like you said, and like you said, Hesky said, it because he wants something to happen. He really cares about what happens on the pitch for Villa, and he wants to make a difference. And if he doesn't hold on to the ball too long, if he plays a simple five-yard pass or a cross-field pass, then the likelihood is nothing's going to come of that play. It's better for him to take two men on and shoot from 25 yards and that to go into O Z. I think the interesting or the argument would be is if he has like a Marcus Rashford or a
0: Mo Salah or an Aguero that he's sliding a ball through or making runs in behind, will he be able to pick the pass? He, he can pick that pass, but he doesn't have those people around him. You know, he doesn't have a Raheem Sterling making a, you know, a darting run or anybody of that, even of that calibre or, you know, with that mindset and creativity playing around him. He genuinely has to generate everything himself and everything goes through him and... I would be gutted if I was an Aston Villa fan. But I think you're right um, for his own good. I think he, he has to go. He has to go elsewhere. Um, I would
1: wonder whether he would thrive and do really well in a team in Spain, in the top team in Spain, because he'd be given a bit more space. He wouldn't get fouled as much, and like the way in which he can shoot, the way in which he can pass his ball control. Like I think he would be great. Um, I think his physicality contract.
0: though suits the Premier League because he's able to ride challenges. And as you say, I don't I, I, you know. I just like I would much rather keep the talent I like got in the Premier League personally, anyway. So it's just know, for selfish reasons. But
1: it's just because I don't see which top team he goes to and plays every week. I, the also the other
0: thing is what i like I said I question his attitude a little bit. And I think if you take the armband off him and you take away the you're not you know the poster boy of the club away from him, what does that then do to him? You know it. it he may be enhanced in his performances. Yeah. might be even better because of the responsibility that he's given. You know, it would be interesting to see anyway. But yeah, I I wish the, all all the best to the Villa because they've they, they've done admirably this season. And um, as we've discussed, Watford have, have you know they've shown resilience. Yeah, and you know Pearson's doing a job there as he did with with Leicester when he came in all those years ago. Yeah, I, I feel, as we've said, I feel for Eddie Howe, but with Bournemouth, you just don't get the feeling. Um, you, you just don't, I, you, you can't see enough from them to, to suggest that they're going to be able to keep themselves up. Um, and, and they don't really, you know, based on their performances this season, they don't really deserve to either. I think it's all just caught up with the injuries and all the other variables of the season. So, I it's interesting. I, I think, yeah, Norwich and Bournemouth are definitely the two who are going to go down for me. And I'm going to do a U-turn on my prediction of a few weeks ago in West Ham. And I'm going to say Aston Villa are going to go down, but they're going to go down admirably.
1: To be honest with you, I can't really disagree because I just I don't see where they're going to score any goals from now to the end of the season. And um, unfortunately for them, they're very likely to be replaced by West Bromwich, Alvin, aren't they?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah right. it would be quite poignant to uh, move on and talk a little bit about the uh, Leeds and West Bromwich Albion. They've been the the front runners in the Championship all season. Um, to no real surprise, I think most people who watch the Championship would have an, had an idea Leeds have been knocking on the door for how many years now. Um, and of course, we we're in looking last season, uh, and sort of fiddled away this season they've been bang at it top of the league at the moment uh, on 78 points West Brom in second on 77 Brentford are on 72 in third Um, but you get the feeling in the championship it's more a case of who's going to actually win the league
1: isn't it out of those two yeah I think so I think uh, Brent, Brentford are very close behind in third but I don't think they're going to break into the top two I think it's I I think it's going to be either Leeds or West Ham for the title and they're both going to go up West, West Brom <laughs> did I say so West
0: West Ham yeah <laughs> yeah sorry West
1: Brom maybe,
0: maybe next sorry season <laughs> uh, I just think Leeds or Fair I think that's the, that's the question everyone's asking in the, the Premier, Premier League Leeds, isn't it
1: yeah it's an interesting one because I think people would expect they would be like Wolves were in their first season and they'd actually be pretty good and they'd be a top half. Yeah, but also like to have a very physical, very fit team. And I wonder how his um, methods will work in the Premier League. And I think that'd be interesting because Leeds will be really, really fit and they'll close teams down all match and they'll never give up. But I think at times that would mean that they'll be taken apart and they'll be beaten badly by some of the top sides in the league. I think they... I'm pretty certain that if they... Well, when they come up now, you're pretty much saying, I think they will stay up, but I think they'd struggle to make an impact on the top half of the table in their first season back.
0: Yeah, I can't say I'm a huge fan of Leeds, but I am. Oh, I know, I hate it. them, but
1: I didn't really want yeah, to say
0: that. No, 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 I, I, I won't go... Yeah, I, I think the Premier League will be... Um, We'll be better off for having Leeds back in 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 the in the ta- in the league, I should say, um, just for what their fans bring. Obviously, the historical context as well, and some of the diabetes and rivalries that they share. I mean, everyone fucking hates Leeds. We, we all know that. <laughs> you know, the big games with Man United and stuff, and you know, it just sort of classical fixtures. Um, but I, I think they're going to do well if they come up. They've been linked with James Milner going back if they go up. Which I think maybe if they add, you know, him as he's a great example of an experienced player who could come in there and maybe settle the team. Um, and of course, you know, they, they're not shy of spending money or bringing in um, players from abroad either. They've been very well versed in doing that over the last couple of years. Um, so I think if they go up, they'll be they'll be quite well settled. I can't actually comment too much on West Brom because I cannot. If I'm being honest, I can't honestly say I've watched a lot, a lot of their games this season.
1: So West Brom, obviously, they're managed by ex-West Ham manager Belletch, mm-hmm. and they've um, they've done very well. Has been they've been solid all season. What's interesting is their players have really been big for them this season. Oh, like older players. So like Jake Livermore had a really big season for West Brom. He's been he's played most matches all season and yeah and he's been really solid and then up front um, they've got Charlie Austin who is still only actually 31 years old and he's got 10 goals this season and they've also got the Welsh, well the Welsh wizard I think is best best way to describe him Trinkle Tull's Hal Robson Canu and after, <laughs> after Hal Robson Canu had a bit of a bad time after the Euros where everyone raved about him he was released by Reading and he kind of struggled after that to kind of get game time at club level this season at West at West Brom he's been he's been really solid for them he's as well he's got 10 goals like Charlie Austin and he's played 35 times so it and he's played in the Premier League he does know the Premier League a bit and I think he could be pretty solid for them in the Premier League next season as well so they've got a bit of Premier League experience when they come when they come up so I think that will help them I think they'll be lower half of the league next season if they, when they do come up again they've got a bit of Premier League experience so if they recruit well in the summer I think they should probably stay up as well yeah
0: out of the two I fancy I can only go off what I've seen as well and like I said I, I, I apologize yeah. to any West Brom fans listening to this um, I'd be a lie if I said I I knew anything more than I was commenting on but from, from what I've seen I, I fancy Leeds to be quite quite steady or the steadier of the two should we say um, going into next season um, let's have a little look now at the, at the playoffs then because of course the, the race is still on um, our team Cardiff Doing well again, Owen. Um, Happy to say, I don't want to go too much into it because we tend to go off on a tangent and get very excited about that topic when we discuss it with each other. Um, But no, Cardiff looking really solid in there. Um, Another great win in the um, seven-side derby over Bristol. Um, Currently three points ahead of Derby in there. Swansea managed to get a decent result as well. Um, What do you think, Owen? You've got Millwall, Swansea, Derby and Cardiff. I don't know. Even Preston. Well what'd you say what would you say? You got Preston and Melbourne on there on fifty-eight points. Obviously Cardiff are in the playoff places on sixty-four. So yes, yeah. six points between Preston and Cardiff, that is feasible. What 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 do you what's your take?
1: Well, there's five games left and I think Cardiff, if Cardiff win win or pick up nine points from their final five matches, then they will get the playoffs. Um, they there's the team obviously in pole position they've still got derby to play uh blackburn who are in 11th they've got um this week they they may have played them by the time you're listening um I, but that's a game that i think they will win and if they win that and teams below them start to drop points that could end up that gap could end up being like five or six and and by by the time you've looked again the gap seven points with three games left and it's pretty much done and dusted so I think if Cardiff can keep up their levels of performance, I don't think they'll lose again this season. Um, and I think they will just get into the playoffs. But if they, after making the playoffs, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to go up through the playoffs. I've got a
0: different opinion there. I think Cardiff's ability to... That Cardiff have got more 1-0 wins and more wins this season um, from going ahead first than any other team. And I think yeah. that, that stat speaks volumes um, about the character in that team and the experience. Bearing in mind, they were in the Premier League last season. Yeah. So, the, you know, the quality is there. And obviously, the, the season Cardiff did go up um, two seasons ago. They were awful football team, but they just got the job done. And yeah. you get a feeling, I think, if a Fulham got to like a, a playoff final or Brentford, you know, when they get to a playoff final with Cardiff, I, I think Cardiff's mentality, Cardiff could nick a win there, a 1-0. And, and, and they've managed to start coming into it. I hope I don't sound overly biased saying this, because I don't think I think Cardiff are a million miles off the Premier League in terms of quality and what would be needed. And if, if anything, they probably need another year to rebuild a bit more before going up. But um, I don't think there's as much of a pressure on them to get up. Um, and that might end up working in their favour. No Cardiff fan will be disappointed if they don't go up this season. I think every Cardiff fan would be surprised. Whereas Brentford and Fulham, the position and the way they've been playing this season, there would be genuine disappointment and pressure there.
1: Yeah, Brentford especially. I think Fulham have started to drop off. I I would fancy Cardiff against Fulham. But as Vince Starr and Cardiff... Would I think Brentford. Fulham's
0: pressure is because Fulham are, uh, really are... We're an established Premier League team yeah. for over a decade. So... Is, is Brentford it's the first time and for Fulham it's got to get back there hasn't it and for Cardiff it's well we've got a chance you know and I, I just there's something about Cardiff and the way they've been winning and playing um,
1: yeah I mean Brentford are a very good footballing team the reason why they're not closer to West um, Brom and Leeds is because they just don't have the same size squads as those two and I think that's what's cost them but generally on that day they're they, they're one of the best sides in the league and they so on that day they are difficult to play against um, and well if you, you look at the goal
0: difference as well Owenis, um that tells you everything as well doesn't it yeah well aye, the they've fan. got a goal difference of 70 and Brentford with 40 so which is mightily impressive in the Championship it's such a such a slugfest
1: no you're right and Brentford are a really good team and they've got a new. They're moving into a new stadium at the end of this season. So, they. I'm sure they'll be very, very keen that their first game of, their new se- of the new season is their first game in their new stadium is played in the Premier League. It would be some achievement for Brentford get to get promoted through the playoffs. And but for me, they they would be my favourites to go up with West Brom leagues right now.
0: Yeah, I think if you're talking about, um, yeah, going up on merit and. and... What your play merits, I should say, then Brentford certainly should be going to the Premier League and I think it would be a welcome addition as well for a lot of neutral fans because, as you say, they play really good football. Um, yeah, such a small club as well would be really, you know, such an achievement. Um, so we'll move on. But I think we should do a little bit of a roundup now of what's been going on elsewhere and I've just delved into a little bit of uh, what's been going on in England. Well, there's been an announcement for the Women's World Cup the host nation has been announced as Australia and New Zealand. Um, which will be an interesting take. Obviously, two massively supporting countries. Not what you always associate with football, but um, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be good for the women's game as well over there. That's obviously due to take place in
1: 2023. Yeah, this was really interesting because Australia and New Zealand had bid headed up by females. And this is the first time that the Women's World Cup. Has gone to a country where where the bid has been headed up by females, which is, of course, great because it's a Women's World Cup. The bids should be headed up by females. And what was also interesting is that a lot of the big UEFA, a lot of the big clubs in FIFA were voted for Colombia. And the rumours were that Colombia were given a lot of financial backing to certain football federations. Australia New Zealand's bid was very much put on football and how, after the World Cup, they would improve the how much it would improve the female game in Australia and New Zealand. And Columbia's bid was very much a corporate kind of bid. It was but a win a lot, for football. So it was a win for football, yeah, exactly. And Australia, in the end, got 22 of the 35 votes, while Columbia got the remaining 13. I would um, imagine so, yeah.
0: that has. I would imagine there's a lot more infrastructure in, in Australia and stuff as well to be able to, to host the to games. Say. They've bought yeah, all the stadiums to... already. Yes, but, of but yeah,
1: it was um, it was it was a win for football because Australia and New Zealand are two two nations actually within the female game um, who are actually quite well known. Australia generally compete in the top ends of um, World Cups um, in female football, and New Zealand generally get to. Um, football um female football world cups so yeah so no it's it's interesting and it's great that um females are now getting a say in female football at the top level because that's the way it should be and it's great that it was very much a bit about football and it's expected to be by far the biggest um female football competition that will ever have ever taken place
0: yeah absolutely and it's something to, to again something to look forward to and I, I like I I don't think I can say, as somebody, when the Olympics was on um, and some of the games were being played in the Principality Stadium, I went to go and watch some of the the, uh, the women's games. I think I might have even gone with you to go and watch one of the Great Britain games. But it, again, I, yeah. I find it really entertaining and stuff. Yeah, so well, and it, it, yeah. And, it, it,
1: and it's. It, and it's I hope I hope people
0: time. do watch it. I hope, yeah, exactly. It is it's very progressive, and yeah, I, I hope people tune into it. Um, so the next bit bit of news, which is a little bit closer to home, I actually probably should have covered this while we were talking about. Uh, the, the championship and the Premier League and, and the football league in general. Um, so, the, the the news coming out about Wigan um, Wigan's administration, I, I'm sure as as most of you will see if you you know follow the sports pages on social media and the mainstream media. Um, Wigan Athletic have gone into administration. Owen, oh, I know you've got quite a few details on this, so I, I you know it's not something we can really debate, but I think it's. Some, some interesting information you should share with the viewers, what you have found.
1: Yeah, of course. The interesting thing is when people saw Wigan Athletic went to, to administration, um, they, they would have originally thought, oh no, is this going to be what we see from a lot of championship sides are championship sides in, in danger. I don't think so and this is what a little bit of what I said about the Wigan situation um, or or an article I wrote on a website. For people who don't know much about Wigan as a football club, um, in the early 2000s they were in the top flight of English football and they were in the English Football Premier League from 2005 to 2013 and this was a big, a great period for Wigan, their greatest period in their history and this was so seen as they won the FA Cup in twenty thirteen and competed in Europe the following season. During this time they were under the ownership of uh local millionaire Dave Whelan who owns um, used to own JJB sports stores. Um and and DW he, as
0: well.
1: Yeah and DW, exactly, yeah. And he um he was a local man who played football in the fifties and sixties and had to retire through injury. So he had a real passion for the game and the local game within the town. But in twenty eighteen with with Dave Whelan in his eighties, he sold the club off to a Hong Kong based um company called International Entertainment Corporation, who um are owned by a professional poker player from Hong Kong and based out of Hong Kong. Um during this period after he, they took ownership, the Hong Kong company, they took them back to the championship as they were playing in League One. Um, but the club have actually only lost once in their last 12 matches, so they're on a pretty decent bit of form. But in June, at the beginning of June, the International Entertainment Corporation of from Hong Kong um, gave um, ownership away to the next leader fund who... Um, was a company set up only in January 2020 out of the Cayman Islands. The loan agreements can be seen online, so this is, these aren't rumours. The, this is actually what has happened. So the company that was set up in 2000, January 2020 bought the club with a loan of £28 million pounds on an 8% interest rate rising to 20% if it wasn't paid back within 12 months. And this meant that Wagen would have to pay 100 grand a week in payments, to pay off this loan, something that they would find almost impossible to do. And so two weeks after it was announced that the Next Leader Fund had taken ownership of Wigan Athletic, it was, they put the side into administration. So why do they do that? We do not know for certain. But um, the leader of the English Football League, Richard Parry, has been caught on camera suggesting that large bets have been Put on Wigan to be relegated within the Philippines, and to make matters more interesting, Wigan are sponsored by uh, an online casino company called k 8 Group, which, you guessed it, are based out of the Philippines. Because they went into administration, they're going to be deducted twelve points, and there's a very like cha- very high chance that they are now going to be relegated. And on the on the face of it, it looks like it's not they've not been putting it into administration because of financial troubles previous to now. Yeah, and I suppose that one of the main questions there is, yeah, how, how on earth
0: have the EFL allowed somebody like this to come in and buy a football club with that, with that sort of financial strategy?
1: Yeah, well, clearly, clearly someone's allowed this, say, to go through and clearly this company somehow um, passed the fit and profit test. And because they bought the club with, with a loan... Sorry, there be... So there'll, be,
0: there'll be some people who aren't aware of what like, the fit and proper test is. So I think we should okay. just quickly elaborate on what that, what that is, basically.
1: Okay, yeah. So the fit and proper test is basically a test down for every, every person trying to invest in a football club in England. They do what they call fit and proper test, which is basically make sure that really their money is legal and... And they're financially stable. That's yeah. the two, two main yeah, it's, points. It's, the money is legal and they're financially stable. Yeah, so, so that it doesn't so, so it doesn't the not going to go into administration. Yeah, so it doesn't lead to things like this. Yeah, so I think there's I think
0: there's a case for the EFL to be answering there as well, isn't it? And especially as we've seen uh, Bury go out of existence, we've seen teams like Bolton um, suffer as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's quite shoddy. And it, 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 yeah, it's it's just not nice. I, obviously, I have no connections with Wigan Football Club. I don't even know any Wigan fans. But uh, it's a horrible thing to be going through. And yeah, to have won the FA Cup seven years ago and then to maybe not be a club now is quite a shocking sort of thing to. Um, well, quite a shocking reality to face, isn't it? Really. Um, anyway, other news, uh, which it also ties in with ownership uh, in England, uh, the Newcastle takeover, it has been delayed. Um, there's a lot of variables to this and we're not going to go into a great depth about it. but mean, I know you've got more interesting information on this stuff
1: Yeah so basically it was 83 days ago that it was announced that Newcastle United would be taken over by we'll just say businessmen from Saudi Arabia Um, but it's been 83 days the Premier League have been given to kind of mull over it and basically allow them to as we mentioned it before Pass the fit and proper test. That is still um, being questioned. It's a lot of it's to do with Premier League rights in Saudi Arabia. What the hold-up is? Newcastle United are saying the club is generally running as normal, but as they while they wait for ownership to be for the club's new ownership to take place, they can't offer players new contracts and they can't sign any new players. So the club is in a bit of a state of limbo until the takeover is confirmed, and there is a danger that if it drags on and drags on, that they um, they could end up the transfer window could end up passing. They could uh, could be a situation of where they're not able to sign anyone during the transfer window.
0: And it's not the end of the world, I suppose, though, is it? If they miss one transfer window, and I suppose what one thing Newcastle have had going for them right, is a couple of the last couple of signings they've made have come through and been pretty decent. So. They're not in as a desperate a situation as they have been in previous seasons when they're at this point they've been scrapping relegation and um, they're in no. a really healthy position at the moment. And it'll, it'll be
1: interesting to see you know if that does materialize. The only sorry, the only issue is if they if the Premier League doesn't allow the deal to go through and Mike Ashley pulls the plug and puts the club into administration. Well wow. which yeah. could be a worry could happen.
0: Yes, but it's again, as Newcastle Football Club, I can't imagine that disappearing to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so yeah, moving on from the, the Newcastle Takeover Talks, um, I know it's your favourite part of the show, Owen, your time to shine, my man, it's Scottish Football Talk. There's been Scottish fixtures released, um, I know you're dying to talk about them, why don't you give the viewers a little lowdown of what's been going on? <coughs>
1: I know. I think. I think this part should have its own um, theme tune at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Give you like a little sound, like a little. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So the fixtures list have finally been released. The season will start on the first of August in Scotland. Um, after a game's not been played since early March in Scotland, so Scottish football fans are very, very happy to see this. For people interested. Um, the first round of fixtures we'll see on the Saturday, we'll see Aberdeen face Rangers, which is the biggest tie of the first weekend. Dundee United face St. Johnston, Hibernian face Kilmanic, St. Mirren face Livingston, Celtic face Hamilton have Academical and Ross County face Motherwell And for those interested in catching some football on TV um, at the beginning of August, Aberdeen against Rangers will be live on Sky Sports. Celtic against Hamilton will be live on Sky Sports, and Ross County against Motherwell will be live on Sky Sports. One on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, and one on the Monday. One thing you'll notice, I mentioned those Premier League fixtures. One thing you would notice if you're a keen fan of Scottish football is that Hearts and Midlothian are not within those fixtures because Hearts and Midlothian have <laughs> been relegated from the Premier League. This, um, there's a lot of things to mention here that I won't go into, but basically, um, hearts took the took the scottish um football league to um the courts last week um it was thrown out by the court the liability case and so there's now going to be a tribunal within the sfa to look up hearts getting some kind of compensation from being relegated early but this has prompted a statement from dungeon united that i hope you'd Joe, do you mind if I just go through this quickly about Dundee United?
0: You're more than welcome to.
1: Okay, so Dundee United have decided you have taken the place of um, Hearts in the league, so therefore they've been the brunt of the legal costs. So basically, it's almost as if Hearts are suing Dundee United for taking their place in the league. So this is what Dundee United have said on the matter. On the day that the SPFO have released the Premiership Pictures list for the 2020-2021 season, which is scheduled to begin at, on the 1st of August, instead of looking forward and planning for the forthcoming season, the executive team and board at the club are embroiled in preparation work for the SFA operation process that starts this week in respect of the action raised by Hearts, Midlothian, and Partick Thistle. As confirmed in our joint statement on Friday, we, along with Faithful Obes and Cove Rangers, were pleased with Lord Clark's decision to refer the dispute of arbitration. However, we remain incensed that we are having to devote considerable time and incur significant legal costs in defending this action. Um, together, we have already incurred costs of £50,000 and basic legal fees for the aberration process that could um, take the bill to over £150,000. Basically, um, Dungeon United are trying to, at the moment, reclaim legal costs that they've had to pay, perhaps have taken them to court. Um, To be honest with you, I'm not going to go into the rights and wrongs of it, but that's basically the situation.
0: We're going to finish off with a little bit of positive news now for the week, as we always do. Um, It's been a lovely story about James McLean in the media, which I'll let Owen tell you a little bit more about.
1: James McLean was in the news recently for positive reasons um, because he has paid for two children who recently lost their father to go on a trip to D- Disneyland. Um, he, the stock um has decided to support this young family from the Republic of Ireland after they lost their father in April to a heart attack. McLean is someone who's often is not shy of doing charity work. He previously ran fifty-two miles over two days in tribute to a former footballer from Ireland. And yeah, and on this occasion, he's decided that he would pay for this family to go to um, Disneyland after they've had really a horrible time of it over the last few months. And I think yeah. it's just it's just a nice touch. It's nice to see when footballer footballers do nice things, and especially when a footballer who gets a lot of bad press does a nice thing.
0: Yeah, that's what these, this section's all about. It's just bringing some of that good stuff to light, isn't it? And uh, Whilst that is a very touching story, um, and good on James McLean, very charitable bloke, as you said. We've got an inspiring story here about a young man called Musa Juwara from Gambia. He's a young man who plays in Serie A. And again, Owen, I'll let you tell the viewers a little bit more about this story.
1: Yeah, so he fled Gambia, um, this young player who plays for Bologna in Saraje in Italy, the Italian Premier League. Um, He had to flee Gambia at just the age of 14. And he ended up getting um, adopted by a local um, football coach in Italy. And basically, after four years in the country, he is now playing professional football for Bologna in the. Set in Saraje, as I said, and on Saturday, he scored the winning goal as his side beat Inter Milan. Going through all this heartache to get to this level, he is now not only playing professional football, he's playing for professional football at a high level, and he's scoring, in, scoring the winning goal against one of great, Europe's great sides in Inter Milan.
0: Yeah, I've, I found the story incredible. Um, you can, you'll can, you be able to find this, these reports on, on the BBC and various other um, media outlets as well, guys, if you want to read a little bit more of the story. But um, just in general, the, the, the large journey, um, you know, literally on a rubber dinghy from, from Gambia to Italy, yeah. losing his parents on the way, um, at, you know, arriving, he's pretty much on death's door when he arrived in it, he dehydrated and stuff. And um yeah, it, it was... It's a very powerful piece to be reading. And um, yeah, it just it just shows you what human spirit can do and what human spirit can achieve. And uh yeah, fantastic, fantastic for that boy realised his dream and, and goes on him.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. so anyway,
0: Beautiful, man. that's up for the that's it for this week. Um I've really enjoyed it. Again, we couldn't delve too much into the fixtures, could we? Because there was just far too much to <laughs> To be, uh, to be covering. Um, we do do our best to try and keep the tab on every one of the fixtures, guys. So apologies if we missed out on anything juicy uh, that you guys may have, wanted, may have wanted to hear about this week. Um, hit us up on the socials. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Um, we're
1: always interested to hear what you've got to say. And I echo what Joseph just said there. Please get in touch. We really want to hear more from you, the listeners. But thank you very much for downloading and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Shut up.
0: Right, Harry. Did you see that ludicrous display last night? <laughs> the champion. Oh, He's yeah. in for it. Can he tee up trouble in red? And he goes to one. It's <laughs> <To> a watch <Trouble! laughs> What about that? <laughs>